0: Welcome back to dpt to ceo the podcast, where I, Dr. Morgan Mies, PT, owner of The Well Physio, a cash-based physical therapy practice I started in 2019, share with you as much as I can on how to successfully start, launch, and grow your own solo practice. Whether you're brand new and just thinking about getting started, or whether you're currently working with a full caseload of your very own patients, this podcast is for you. And of course, if you'd like more help, you can find all the resources on my website at morganmies.com and connect with me on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Mies. If you're ready, let's dive in. So I think we're in. I hope we are, and at the very least, you and I are gonna have a chance to just hang out for an hour.
1: (laughs) Great, great conversation.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it'll be good. Um, Okay, so you know, with the theory that this is doing when it's supposed to. Welcome everybody (laughs) back to our podcast interview live stream series um, that I started. Last year, I believe and I I interviewed a bunch of different practice owners. And this year um, we have the pleasure of going back and speaking with some of the different practice owners that I've worked with as a business coach um, and like hearing just all about their journey, um, where they are now and what advice they have for you um, because we were all once in the same shoes that you were in. Um, So with us tonight, we have the famous, amazing Dr. Ross Childs. Um, <laughs> thanks for being here.
1: Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I, I've been waiting for the invite, so it's about time.
0: <laughs> Whoa!
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. I like. I feel like I put off like doing this like series for a while, and I don't know why because it's, it's been so much fun, and I know you have a lot to share. We both so Ross and I have been working together since 2020.
1: Yeah, late 2020.
0: Yeah, like right before Christmas. (laughs) Um, And Ross has just done some really amazing stuff. So I've been looking forward to having him here on our series um, to just talk about everything that he's learned because he, how many patients do you see a week?
1: Uh, So currently I'm I'm up to, I'm averaging 27 a week.
0: And feels like it's been 27 a week on average for the past 2 years. Four,
1: so almost well as, as we talked about when I first did my numbers really I was hoping to average 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the fact that I I've, I've been averaging 27 some weeks it's even even higher.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: you know it's it's a so as we've talked about it's a great problem to have.
0: Yes. And maybe that can just be the title of this episode. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. Okay. Um cool. So uh before we jump into like all the details and you know go off topic, probably a hundred times, um, for anybody who doesn't know you, Ross, can you tell us a little bit more about you, your background and what led you here? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, uh, as you guys know, my name's Ross, currently a physical therapist in New Hampshire. I went to Franklin Pierce university, uh, and obtained my DPT about 11 years ago now. So it's hard to believe that much time has, has flown by. I'm a core faculty member at Franklin Pierce, where I went to school, teaching all of their MSK courses uh, for the first year students. Um, and let's see what else. And I also have a six-year-old son. So it keeps me busy when I'm not in the clinic or teaching classes.
0: Awesome. Um, and tell us a little bit more about like what led you to start your practice.
1: Oh, geez. How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Got
1: 45 minutes. Well, well, to to keep it short, you know, like, like a lot of people that I've heard their stories, I really wasn't happy. You know, I wasn't happy with the current system that we were treating in. I didn't like seeing tons of patients each day. I was getting bogged down with paperwork each day. uh, And it just got worse and worse. I actually wanted to start my own business three years ago or three years prior. um, And I just didn't know where to begin. I, I hadn't found you yet. So I figured I'd give it one more shot in network. And it just didn't get any better. And I just, I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. It wasn't what I set out to do. Um, So I finally just got to the point where it was either I have to leave the field, I'm that unhappy, or I have to do it my own way. Like I I got to the point where I honestly thought getting a job, like rotating produce sounded better than having to deal with insurance day in day out. That's how close I was. Um, Then I realized I have so much time and effort spent and debt from going to pt school that Mm -hmm. i can't just throw it all away so i'm gonna have to find a better way of doing it so that's that's kind of what led me down the path and there were other little things you know the pandemic hit i got furloughed from work i was spending all this extra time with my family i was able to have breakfast with my son i was going for walks riding our bikes together midday. i was having dinner with him every night and it was like why the hell why am I spending so much time in the clinic? Why am I giving the clinic the best of me and my family's not getting the best of me? So yeah. I also knew I needed to make a change personally. That's as, as we'll get into my why, that's, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to make the jump.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like, I think, you know, like, I feel like I remember like when I first even like, you know, left school and went into the clinic where I lasted all of four months because I was miserable. Um, there's almost like a feeling, at least for me, where I like, I felt totally alone, that, you know, like, I was having these feelings of like, Oh, my God, what did I just do, you know, like, go into this field where I thought it was going to be something that it's like, obviously not in a lot of places. And I, you know, was crying on my lunch break crying when I got home, you know, like, really not great mental health. And, you know, like, I feel like that's kind of like ironic for the healthcare provider. Mm-hmm. to like, not be taking care of their health, <laughs> um, in a way. And uh, like, it just seemed like, you know, not everybody, of course, but it seemed like a lot of the other clinicians around me were just like, fine, you know, with letting things be the way that they were. And, you know, I don't mean that to sound like judgmental or anything, but it just wasn't for me. And so like, I felt really alone. And, you know, once you start kind of like, like investigating and entering into this world of like private practice as a whole, you know, or running like a cash-based practice, running a business at all, you're able to find so many people, you know, who really align with your own values. And, um, you know, like the things that you're mentioning about really like putting like your family and yourself first, because like, you know, you're here to live your life for you. (laughs) You're not, you know, like a, corporation (laughs) um like ahead.
1: not to cut you off but yeah everything you just said i feel like those are emotions that we as therapists go through once we jump out of school because school leads us to believe you know hey you graduate they're going to roll out the red carpet you're going to fix the world yeah And, and that is the farthest thing from the truth because they don't teach you about the real world they don't teach you about insurance and Biggest thing of all, they, they don't teach you about the day-to-day grind, really what yeah. it's like when, when all of a sudden you have to treat 15, 16 or more patients a day. You have to make sure you get your paperwork done. Um, you know, sometimes you have to actually work through your lunch breaks because they're just double and triple booking people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and especially in that first year of school, you just don't have any experience Mm-hmm. So you're questioning yourself as a therapist to begin with, and now you're getting thrown into this system that's failed over and over again, but we keep doing it. No wonder the burnout rate is so high. So yeah. it's, it's unfortunately, it's never going to change. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the part. So it's really up to us as therapists to change the way we go about doing it. And as you and I've talked about many a times, it's all about providing that value so that patients can see that there's a whole nother PT world out there and, and you don't have to get stuck in that that mill type setting.
0: Yeah, absolutely, you know, and it's by no means is it easy. You know, it wasn't easy to quit my job. It wasn't easy to figure out how to even like build a business at all. But like the biggest thing about it is that like you put yourself in a position to create opportunities and you have a choice. You know like you don't have to just show up from like seven to seven every freaking day because like that's how you get enough money to pay to live or whatever <laughs> but you know like you have a choice and what you're going to do with your everyday life and also um you know who you want to help how you want to go about living and everything and like that's i feel like that's almost like really important too that would have been like a cool class to take in college <laughs> like how do you be an adult and like
1: enjoy (laughs) what do you want out of life yeah Yeah. that's that's the unfortunate part is we go into it we get out of school and oh we're going to be these amazing pts which i think a lot of us can be and then we just get brought down by i'll just call it the system
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, and unfortunately you know we we lose our way you know but for the longest time we there was no other way you just Mm -hmm. Rin and Barrett, and then you have those therapists that let things roll off their back, or they almost became robots. They yeah. just came in, clocked in, clocked out, and left. Which yeah. Yeah, that's what you want to do. Hey, I'm a, I'm happy for you if you can do that. But I always thought there was more to this, and I really mm-hmm. I got into PT because I wanted to help people. In no way, shape, or form did that come down to me caring about reimbursement, me caring about productivity. So I I, I quickly knew that the system wasn't going to be the way for me.
0: Yeah. Um and like I think for like all of the like newer therapists out there like one thing that I really want to like impress on them is that it's okay to not like the system. Like you're just saying, Ross, like it's it's okay if, you know, it's not for you and you don't have to keep doing it just because you got that degree like there are so many other like intangibles that you gain from pursuing your degree that you can apply to other things Mm -hmm. um you know besides just the practice too you know like there's a lot of different ways that you can go out and help people and you know don't let anybody make you feel bad about deciding that like the traditional route is not the way that you want to go um and like i yeah i just wish that like more more people had talked to me about it. And maybe, maybe I should have noticed when like two or three of my CIs were constantly stressed out every single day that I was there, that like maybe it wasn't an ideal situation. Um, But I guess like next thing, you know, now that we've talked about like your history of going to start your practice, can you tell us, You know more about like who you are who your business is and kind of like the story of the past year and a half or so of actually working for yourself
1: yeah so really it all started actually one day where i kind of went through the process of researching cash based business and was this true i was like no god i I really just wish someone would come around and step one how do you actually start a business so that's what actually led me to you you actually had the therapy basics uh, workbook and that literally walked me through each step. Like mm-hmm. I thought it was amazing. I'm like, here you have, you have these other coaches that are great cheerleaders. They're mm-hmm. going to show you how to get packages. They're going to show you how to do marketing and sales. And that's great. However, I need step one, like baby step, like not even step one. I, I need to know, like, I haven't even formed my business yet. What am I supposed mm-hmm. to do? And then here you are. You have this free PDF. I'm like Oh, wow. This answered all my questions. And I was firing off a ton of questions to you. And you answered all of them. Like you were taking your time and answering all of them. I'm like, yeah, she's familiar. So then we had a consultation and then I knew that night. I was like, you know, I, I want her to be my coach. And, and that was kind of the next, the next step. Um, and then really from there, was trying to identify as a therapist, really, what do I want out of this? And mm-hmm. so as we talked about the finding your why, I had to be able to identify that first. Why am I doing this? And, and really it came down to, I want to enjoy what I do again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I, I have to love it. I want to be a PT. I want to be the best PT that I can be. I also want to make sure that I'm providing patients with the care that they deserve, yeah. not because it's based off a reimbursement, not because it fills the bottom line for the a hospital or whatever it may be. It's whatever the patient wants. And then I also wanted to spend more time with my family. You know, that, that was really, for me, if I'm going to have a business work, I need these three things to fit first. Mm-hmm. So once we were able to establish that, then it was like, okay, who am I going to go after? And, and really, you helped me identify what my niche market was going to be. Uh, I was already well-known in the community that I was in. I had been there for about a decade, and I noticed just naturally I was treating middle-aged weekend warriors, a lot of triathletes as well, mm-hmm. and really it was just to prevent them from having injuries and optimizing their performance.
2: So mm-hmm.
1: like, go. There's my niche market right there. So. Uh, I think it was a little bit easier than I anticipated. And I've said before, I probably had an unfair advantage just being that I was in the market that I've been in for a decade now. So it was a lot easier and I had a lot of great support from the community. So um, I think I remember telling you my first week I had 16 people right off the bat.
2: And Mm
1: -hmm. I didn't expect hitting that for like six to nine months. Um, And then it really has just been quite amazing since, you know, and then, There's been a lot of, I don't want to say downs. There's been a lot of learning experiences with this process because we've talked about before, there are some business coaches that really stress, you know, marketing sales, make sure you do your prepaid packages and things along those lines. And really it's taken me a while to identify that really my, my goal for all this, other than creating time and and knowing my why it's really accessibility over profits. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I like making money, don't get me wrong. Yeah. enough patience where the money is not the goal. I don't want to limit access to people that I think I can truly help them. So I think if anything, that's something that's taken me the longest to really identify. I think deep down, I knew what that always was. Yeah. But it was actually you, I think it was two calls ago, you know, you were listening to me and you said, yeah, you're going for accessibility over profits. And you're like, that should be your slogan. no. <laughs> Uh, so I do use that all the time now. So I should give you credit for that. <laughs> but it was really you that from you listening the way that you do when when we have our meetings, uh, you were able to pull that out of me because as simple as it is, I probably wouldn't have identified it that simply.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, that is one huge pro to working with the business coach in whatever capacity is, you know. Having somebody that you can just talk at and, you know, they can help kind of like make sense of like the ramblings that you're having or, you know, all the different options that you have in front of you and help you kind of like identify, well, you know, these ones line up with the way that you want to live your life, the way that you want to do business. So, you know, follow that. And um I think another like big thing that, you know, like you might've been alluding to, but like, specifically with, um, like, the pricing of things, the packaging of services, I know, like, when you and I started, and even for a little while, while after that, um, you know, we were like, why aren't people buying packages, you know, like, this is the way that like, I personally have done stuff in my own practice. But, um, you know, every everybody always recommends that it's like, not, not typical to see, like, like, marketers or coaches, like, recommend single sessions just because of like the way that things can go down. But, you know, the opposite ended up being true for you, you know, mm-hmm. like how you were able to, you know, like align your pricing and uh, I guess like services with the value of accessibility. Yeah. Um, and I guess like if, if you don't mind, can you like elaborate a little bit more on that and like how we kind of like works worked our way through to how you're doing things now?
1: Yeah. So in the beginning, I mean, the sales and marketing was never, that's not my forte. I have no background in business whatsoever. I don't claim to have any. Uh, so I was starting fresh. So basically anything that I learned was from you and you were basically baby stepping me along and say, try this, try that.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know. And,
1: and I believe when we started again, I wanted to make it very accessible in the beginning. And you're starting with hundred bucks an hour or something like that. We were starting mm-hmm. off with our introductory price and we said, okay, we're going to do six months at this price, and then we'll kind of go from there. And I think I got like one package, maybe two package, four packs, I think maybe one eight pack in the first six months.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: and, and you and I spent countless times meeting together, kind of going over my sales pitch. Um, God, I remember writing it down and saying it to you, and, and you would come back and pretend to be the, the patient. And we yeah. just, we practiced it over and over again. And I feel like I got pretty good at, at sales, the sales part of it. Uh, mm-hmm. And even closing it if I needed to, but people just weren't interested. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'd say, all right, you can, you know, buy these packages. I think it's going to take six to eight visits, and we do have the package. And if you buy that, there is a certain percentage off. And people are just saying, no, I'll just pay single visits. And it just never, never registered. It's like, well, in the end, you're, in, you're paying more money. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in person, I, I know that it's always the fear that if you have them buy individual visits, that they may not finish their plan of care. So mm-hmm. I was also taking that risk,
2: mm-hmm.
1: also not not knowing what to expect. And people were finishing out their plan of care. They were coming in four, six, eight visits. And then what I noticed is they started saying, you know, I know we're done, but can I keep coming to you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can. There's n- nothing saying that you can't. So yeah. then when you and I came up with a maintenance plan and people would start coming in and, you know, paying their, their same fee for that. Um, and it was at that time it was like, well, wait a minute, these people are coming in for 12, 14, 16 visits now. That's already more than what my packages are. So they, mm-hmm. they're basically doing what a package would be, but they'd rather just do it session by session.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: and, and after about I think it was, we gave it a solid year with the packages. And then finally, you and I both agreed that the packages would, just weren't working because the single sessions were going great. And, and yeah. even after that six month time frame, because it was about July, You finally said, "Listen, you got to raise your prices." Yeah. No, I'm not raising my prices. (laughs) Then I, I, you said, do a dry run, so I bumped it up to 125 for June Mm -hmm. and July. I did 135, and then I bumped it up to 150 in August, or maybe it was Mm -hmm. September, somewhere around there. And you said, "No one's going to say a word," and it was always like, you know, except you know, I want to make sure people come. I want to, and no one said a word. Not. and complained. And I felt comfortable because you told me in the beginning, pick a price that you feel comfortable saying. It has to be between what you're comfortable saying and a price that you want to vomit at. (laughs) Yeah. it's exactly what you said to me. (laughs) Um, That's always resonated. And and I'm like, 150 sounds beautiful. It sounds like something that makes it more accessible to someone. um, But also at the same time, it feels like it's more, more my worth. Now, it also came down to I don't like traditional physical therapy the way that it's run,
2: mm-hmm.
1: because typically you have a lot of therapists say to someone, "You need to come in two to three days a week for X number of weeks, and then we're going to do a reeval." Blah blah blah. I'm like, there's got to be a better way. You know, we we have all these tools. We promote patient education. I'm not I'm not going to see people once a week. I may not even see people once every other week. Mm-hmm. So I'll do the evaluation. I'm going to basically see. I'm going to prioritize who needs to be here and who doesn't. Yeah. And then through that, I started seeing people every other week and then every third week. And now I've gotten to the point where I may see people every two to four weeks, depending, Mm -hmm. because I just felt okay, I've done my evaluation. We've identified the impairments. I'm giving you the tools. All you have to do is use them. And what that does is it saves you time and money. The only thing that I ask is that you communicate between sessions and and people have really done well with it. And I know a lot of therapists that are in network. They're like, your plan of care sucks. You know, (laughs) don't know that they've told me outright, you know, it's wrong. I don't agree (laughs) with your plan of care. It's like, you're in network. You're so used to doing it. You can't prove to me that seeing these people two to three times a week is gonna get them any better. What really is, is their compliance. I was like, if they wanna come see me more often, That's fine. I'm not against it, but here are the tools, just use them and then check back in with me and then we'll start all over again. And people have really, in the beginning, it it took a lot of them to change their mindset because they're so trained from traditional physical therapy. They're like, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, you don't want to see me this week? It's like, I could, but I don't need to. Here here are your tools, just use them. So people, it's caught on now, word of mouth, Um, you know, hey, this guy doesn't want to see you every week. He doesn't even want to see you every other week. You know, he'll identify what's going on and, and then he's going to develop a plan that best suits your needs. And I, I really feel like cash-based PT really captures patient-centered care.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Even though in network says it's patient-centered care, it's not. And, and I don't even feel bad for saying that. You know, there there may be some in-network therapists watching this right now that disagree, but at the heart of it, really patient-centered care. If we look at really the insurance and then the institution you're making money for and then the actual patient, the patient's lower on that list than we're led to believe.
2: Yeah.
0: And I think that like that's one of like the I guess like saddest realities of, you know, like what like physical therapy is really like in the traditional sense outside of school. Um you know, is you are not just responsible for um, like evaluating and treating a patient and making them better. And that being like the primary goal, like you're also responsible for, you know, making sure that in whatever capacity you see the patient, it's also the most profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like a lot <laughs> to put put on one person, you know, like let alone have like the the profit aspect, like come in and sort of like trump the patient experience and mm-hmm. the results that they get um and oh my gosh how bold of another therapist to tell you that your plan of care sucks yeah what yeah. the heck
1: yeah it's just one of those things it's like listen you're a network therapist you've been so trained you know if you want to see someone multiple times a week i'm fine with it it's yeah. not something that i i want to do you know not only yeah. am saving someone time, but I'm safe or I'm saving them money and time. Mm -hmm. And and again, a lot of people appreciate that not having come multiple times a week.
0: Yeah. And um, another thing that I think is kind of interesting to think about here is like, is there one right way to do things, you know, because like you and I very much are on the same page, like cash pay, private pay, is king like it's you know the best way to do things because of the way that we practice and like what we believe in um and like i the reason that i want to bring this up is because i feel like a lot of people who are like newer to this or even you know like a couple years in like kind of fear like judgment from other providers or other businesses and you know first of all like if anybody you know like passes judgment on the way that you do things like yeah. I don't know. We have to figure out a way to like, not let it get to us because yeah. it doesn't matter. Cause there's no one right way to do things. Correct. Like in reality, even though Ross and I are very clearly on one side of the fence. Um, and like, I have also had like one insurance based provider um messaged me i want to say last year at some point and like one thing that i really like to point out for myself my experience as being a cash-based provider i feel like it has made me a much better therapist than working in a clinic Absolutely. um because like, I do have more time, so I can dedicate more time to researching for my patients and like prepping for their sessions and contacting them to, you know, give them their HEPs, et cetera. But it also is just like, you know, this person is paying me a couple hundred bucks. So like, I better step it up (laughs) and, you know, make it worth their time. And that, you know, that insurance-based provider who messaged me got all like huffy about like, oh, you think you're like a better therapist than me? And I'm like, honestly, like, I don't care what you do. Like, as long as we're all trying to like do things that's the best for the patient, you know, like that's what really matters. And, you know, also making sure the clinician is not going to have a mental health crisis, ideally, so.
1: Which which most of us are probably gonna get to that point, which is the sad reality. You know, we we have have all been there, but, you know, just to, to go back to your point, you know, I, I have patients that come in that I'll give them a consultation. They'll say, Hey, I'd, I'd really like to use my insurance. It's mm-hmm. not my job to try to convince them otherwise. It's now my job to direct them to someone who I think can help them the most. So I have yeah. multiple friends that work in the area in, in network clinics. So mm-hmm. I, I refer them to there. So, you know, it's always about kind of building your team and you know, building your network. So, You know, I don't. I don't see in network as being competition. It's another avenue for patients to go. Should they choose to go down that? Now, I will say, I've also had therapists in network therapists say, "No one's going to pay you when they can just pay this for their copay." Like, all right,
2: okay, maybe.
1: maybe. (laughs) But what about when they they value what I'm able to do for them? You know, everyone gets one hour treatment across the board. What if they're coming? Three times a week, they have a fifty-dollar copay, and you expect to see them for four weeks. Well, now they're paying, you know, six hundred bucks. Anyways, it's like I'll probably see him twice in that time frame. So they're they're saving time and money. Well, mm-hmm. well, it's unethical to take money from them. No, right. no, it's it's not. You know, yeah. they are choosing to spend their hard-earned money on me, and mm-hmm. I've also found that when people have more skin in the game, they they tend to be a lot more compliant. Mm -hmm. to have better outcomes so i i think first and foremost that that's really the biggest thing that when someone when a patient goes to cash pay or see see a therapist who's cash based they are serious about why they're there yeah they let's get to the root of it and let's let's fix this and that's not a word that i like to use often um because i feel like that's thrown around a lot in our field but that's what the patient wants you know i'm spending this money because i want something that's greater at this point. And and that's, that's what we're, we're all providing in this private pay system.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, and like there's like a saying that people who pay pay attention Mm -hmm. Um, and like something else that I always like to bring up too, because like, you know, you can get all kinds of like heebie jeebies trying to tell somebody to pay you (laughs) because it's not something that like we as therapists are super familiar with, you know, like we're not, really in the money things, even though you still should, you know, see every Medicare patient for eight freaking units or whatever. Um, you know, we're not familiar too much with like the actual like, cash value of those units. Um, but like, it just, it, it matters a lot. Like if, if you think that, you know, like you charging somebody is, you know, doing them a disservice, or you're being like shady or weird about it, You're not you're actually just being really honest and direct about Mm. what's happening um here's the price this is how it works and if you'd like to do it great if not like let me direct you somewhere else and so like that honesty and straightforwardness really matters to a lot of people you know especially in like the u.s healthcare system where things could be very gray Mm -hmm. um And I like, I also just want to point out too, that there are people who see the amount of effort that you put in to caring for them. And they also do appreciate the one-on-one time. They might not always tell you, but they are watching. Like patients are paying attention to the way that you treat them. And eventually over time, like you were saying, Ross, like with the word of mouth, like kind of getting around town, I think that like, patients across the country too are starting to understand the difference between going to a clinic that accepts insurance and like hiring a private provider you know like whatever specialty it might be um because like more and more people they just they don't want to be treated poorly you know or only be seen for like eight minutes um and that's it
1: so so I, I agree. There's a lot more awareness now and there's a lot more awareness now than previously before, especially in the last decade. And I, I think social media plays a lot into that. Yeah. You know? So in, in, a, in a time where I'm not that techie and I've learned a lot of my tech stuff from you, but Good. a lot of people are. And, and social media has really drawn attention to, hey, there's more than one way to do this. And especially for PT, this is what we can provide and this is what mm-hmm. we can help you with. So you know, it's never been about, oh, we do manual therapy. It's, oh, well, we can transform your life to get you back to playing with your grandkids. We can get you back to the high level sport that you need to play or or whatever it may be. And I think even though in-network therapists say that, and, and maybe they even market it that way, insurance just doesn't allow for it. Mm-hmm. it. You know, you have eight visits, you have a cap, whatever it may be. It, it just, it only gets you so far. So you know nothing against the therapists that are in that world or the business owners that are in that world but they've had to respond to the limitations set forth by the insurance companies and it's it's just a game
2: mm-hmm. which is
1: unfortunate because the people that lose out are the therapists that really want to make change and the patient so yeah. cash base is perfect because you eliminate the greedy business owners you eliminate the greedy insurance companies and then you have a patient who wants to get better. You have a therapist who really wants to help you get better. And it's a, it's a perfect marriage.
0: Yeah. And it's just like the thing for me too, is it's just so transparent, you know, it's like, it's very clear what is happening at like any given time and like creating like that much of a like stable healthcare experience. Um, and like, uh, even like trustworthy, like I hate to say that, but You know, being able to create that environment for somebody as they're healing, you know, like on some level, like that's got to be worth quite a bit as well. You know, instead of like sending somebody into a clinic where they get hella anxiety and then like don't really end up getting what they need out of it.
1: Yeah. Uh, And I think you just described it perfectly by creating that environment. You know, patients really want to make sure that they feel heard yeah um, and, and that they want to feel like they have a say in their care mm-hmm. you know? and, and and again i i know that pt as a profession says that we're patient-centered but that's usually not the case in in network you have so little time that it's basically a, a dictatorship you know okay this is what we found these are the questions i'm going to ask these are the impairments these are the exercises we'll see you in three days mm-hmm. it's just it's as simple as that um you know when you're outside of that and the shackles are off, you know, it really opens it up. You really get to know the person that's sitting in front of you. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're not a body part. You get to learn them, their family members, their, their friends. And, and like you said, that's how word of mouth happens. And yeah, we talked about last time, 80% of my, my patients are word of mouth at this point. Mm-hmm. So eight out of 10 people coming through the door are from other people who at least I think are satisfied customers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's amazing what can happen, you know, when you like allow yourself to like make those connections and relationships too um as scary as it can be to talk to a bunch of new people and everything. Um, but one thing I wanted to go back to, Ross, before I forget, I can imagine somebody, you know, like going back to the discussion about like doing single sessions, right? You know, like there are all these factors that we just talked about that really help to shape the experience that a patient has um but you know for people who are like you know dead set on doing like package stuff or just like a little bit like worried about the single session because of what can happen what do you feel like has led to like creating the what sounds like you know 90 to 100% compliance in i guess like return visits um over you know the past year and a half in your practice
1: Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the education that I provide to them, Um, Mm -hmm. helping them because I go into every evaluation and I kind of start with my introduction and I say, you know, I'm really laying this out for you because by the end of today, I want to be able to give you a better idea of what's going on. I want to tell you what you can do about this. I also want to tell you how I can assist in this process and how long it's going to take. So I really try to bring them into the examination. I want them to be a part of it with me. Mm-hmm. I basically say everything out loud as I'm doing it. Sometimes I, I try not to, especially with like a posture assessment. I don't want them to think that they're just going to die on the spot because of all these manufactured impairments. But, you know, I, I just want to them to hear my my clinical reasoning as I go through. And, um, and then it's just setting them up for success. You know, these are the things that are wrong. However, you know, this is what's still working really, really well. And this is mm-hmm. the success that I think we can have um you know i think it may take this long you know i probably don't want to see you for a couple weeks and then usually for a lot of people it's like well why not and then we're getting away from that now Mm -hmm. so now for people it's like all right you you do your end you come back to me um so I, i think setting them up and just letting them know you know i'm i'm here for you however you need but i think or hopefully we've identified those four questions we've answered them and now you know what can be done for this. So, so I think once there's a little more clarity on why they're in pain, what's causing it, and what can be done about it, mm-hmm. you know, I think people really want to see that through. You know, yeah. and for, for a lot of people, especially with the economy that we're in now, you know, asking them to drop 12 1600 2400 whatever it may be, you know, that that's a large number. Um, mm-hmm. so it would be great if people did that, but you know, if they just want to come in and pay single sessions, I'm still going to give them the same care regardless. And I think a lot of them saw that nothing changes whether you pay for a single session or a package. Yeah. You're still going to get the same high level care as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, like overall, and this is something like you and I have talked about a ton, but you know, like the process that you just described, like for, for your evaluations and you know, like throughout treatment too, is like the process of like, Pre framing, but also like setting expectations. And like at a very, I guess, like, like high level, zoomed out level look at it, you know, like patients are going to feel like the safest, securest, you know, and most comfortable if they understand what's going on. And, you know, like I think sometimes in healthcare, that's not always clear. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're all humans and like make mistakes, of course, but like making that a priority of the way that you work with your private pay clients. I think like it just leaps and bounds, like makes such a big difference in, you know, the compliance, like getting your patients to come back. But, um, you know, kind of like, giving them like i will tell them you know like in x number of weeks this is really what i'm like looking for based on this hypothesis that we have right now um you know but in that time if things change for the worse or you know all of a sudden there's no problems anymore you know if there's any big changes let me know and we'll kind of like uh tailor our path you know to continue forward yeah. um that is <laughs> a special guest on the camera Correct. um that's like, I think one of the biggest things that will really put you like that much higher and make you like that much better of a provider. Um, so just tell people what you're doing and, and what to expect. Um and it sounds simple, but like, any time that I've worked with somebody and they like give that to me, like, okay, here's today what we're doing, you know? And then at the end of the session, like, here's the plan. Then I can visualize it like mm-hmm. as the client. And like really feel like I'm part of like a team effort rather than like, okay, they just like, you know, move my body around, gave me some clamshells, and I have to go back, you know, on Thursday or whatever. Um, you know, like that doesn't really lead too much, I think, to a sense of like patient empowerment. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I just wanted to give like a specific example too is um I've had like a couple of like wonky kind of uh situations i guess as far as like patients pain that they're having um with a couple of my my clients last week and something that i did was before their sessions like i you know spent 20-30 minutes just kind of like researching and um like refamiliarizing myself with different like anatomy and i took like Uh, screenshots of the images and like wrote out like some different things pointed arrows at it and like took I don't know five minutes in our session to show them like look here's your body (laughs) this is where things are and like here's where you know you're feeling the pain and the the symptoms and so this is why I think it is this you know and like I don't I feel like I've never really had that experience with any other healthcare provider where, like, they actually like in, involve you in like kind of like showing you what could be potentially going on. Um, do you have any examples like that, or like tell us more about like how you do the education?
1: Yeah, so a lot of my education is very uh, similar to the way that you just described it, but I find a piece that is vital is using a dry erase board that you have just behind you. Um, mm-hmm. So I have one right in my clinic and I'm drawing on it all the time. And I'm constantly explaining anatomy. I'm constantly explaining tissue healing. I'm constantly explaining the recovery process and people really like the visuals. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people end up actually taking snapshots of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's really a vital piece to me, but it, it's constantly just asking, you know, do you understand? Do you have any questions about this? So yeah. oftentimes I repeat myself probably more than I should and I even I warn them. I say I talk a lot. I'm going to say a lot. I'm going to repeat things over and over again because I, I'm going to highlight what the important parts are. You know, yeah. Eventually, you're going to complete my sentences for me, and that's just the way it is. <laughs> um, also, a lot of them will laugh about it, but the more education that that I can give, you know, again, it goes back to that empowerment. So, mm-hmm. you know, really, you you highlighted it perfectly with bringing the patient into the experience, and then you know, just like you use the screenshots, I use the dry erase board. And then it's making sure that they have a full understanding you know so you're solidifying the relationship at the very end and saying you know we're together i'm here whenever you need me
2: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and it just like that just it matters so much like i you know said before i just want to like reiterate your patients might not ever tell you you know like that meant so much to me that you spent that time you know to go over whatever it is or talk to me about whatever they might not ever tell you you might not ever hear that from anybody um you probably will but you might not and it just it really does like mean it means more than you think it does to take that like extra time and go over those things with somebody you know because like at the end of the day too it's like a human to human experience and if there's no like connection there you know forget sales like forget finding like other clients like it's just not going to be a successful clinical experience for the person you're working with if they feel like you know weird or ignored i guess
1: well it it just ends up creating a uh, that giant disconnect and you can never really establish that therapeutic rapport and if that's the case then the patient might as well just be going on google or webmd and trying to figure it out on their own which a lot of them are doing anyways
0: Mm mm-hmm yeah, my um, one of my patients that I'm seeing for he had a hip replacement. He like texted me, I think the day after his uh, surgery. And he was like, my foot is numb. What's going on? I looked on Google and found all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, no, like, please stop. <laughs> don't Please don't look at anything else online. Um, and like, me just being able to like text him back and be like, look, relax, like you just had surgery. And like, you know, everything that you have going on, like just breathe for a second and you know, like we'll talk about it next week. And he was like, oh my gosh, thank goodness for like talking me down. <laughs> um and being able to offer that too, you know, I think means something as well.
1: Yeah. And it, it just provides that little extra piece that that a lot of that I think is missing in health healthcare in general. Um, not even yeah. just physical therapy. You know, someone's putting their trust in you. Mm-hmm so for me, it's if someone's emailing me on the weekend, I can take the five seconds to email them back to let them know that the pain they're feeling is perfectly normal at this time. Yeah. Or I can say, oh, hey, this is you know a little more concerning. Let's try to get you in on, on Monday compared to Friday. So, yeah. you know, it's I don't want to say they're relying on me, but they're they're putting their trust in me. And I want to make mm-hmm. sure I'm as available as I can be for them.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, You know, and like, there's that. And then on the flip side, there's also like setting boundaries. Um, And like, I guess like staying true to who you are, but also like, you know, your vision for the business and the way that you really just want to like interact with the world. And I know in some of our, our notes here, um you know you had talked about wanting to maybe like touch on philosophy vision for the business and like i think my question for you is you know like looking back since you first started um Mm -hmm. you know i feel like you've always had like a pretty clear pretty clear idea of you know those things but like how have you like stayed true to your values philosophy and vision um you know over the past year and a half even when things were kind of like rocking the boat a little bit you know and like different opportunities and all that
1: um so luckily there's there's you you know and as we talked <laughs> about before you know there, there's a number of times where you'd say so how are things going
0: uh-huh.
1: i would just <laughs> spew it all out at you and you're like all right calm down <laughs> just, Let's let's break it down so you know you've always been very good at saying okay let's kind of slow things down what's important today what can we then line up for a month from now where's your vision in in 6 to 12 months whatever that time frame may be so you know you helped a lot with that my my values have not changed at all you know and and the values really come as as part of my why as well you know being a mm-hmm provide care and and hopefully get people back. And my mission is to to really help as many people as I can to perform as optimal as I can to to live a a relatively pain and injury-free life. And and that really has solidified itself, but also still allowing me to give away free treatments when I need to, or Mm -hmm. telling someone, hey, this isn't a big deal, you know, just do these exercises, you know, don't worry about today, it's a consultation. Um, So having that wiggle room has changed a little bit too, because that's really Mm -hmm. helped identify that. Hey, we are really causing a change in someone's life. Yeah. You know, we are transforming them. We're doing something great for them. You know, we we do a lot of good for people. Um, and that that's only been highlighted the longer and longer that I've been in business. You know, really with the word of mouth, that's what people are are coming to expect as well, which
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's a great expectation that they should be having. You know, they should hold all of us to the highest of standard.
2: Mm-hmm. Unfortunately,
1: they they don't know what that standard should be because other systems don't really allow the therapist to, to excel the way that they should. So, mm-hmm. um, now I, now I will say over the last year, my philosophy of being there for the patient sometimes has gotten in the way of my boundaries. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and, and as we've talked about, I have a pretty busy schedule between the clinic because it's been a lot busier than I ever anticipated. Again, good problem to have, uh, mm-hmm. between teaching. Um, between you know, going through my orthopedic fellowship, um, and then also again being a dad, so I feel like I have a very good—I uh, don't even want to say that it's in equal. Uh, nothing is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So I'm busier than I've ever been, but I feel like everything's getting equal attention. Some weeks, teaching going to take a little bit more priority. Some weeks, patients have got to take a little bit more priority. Um, you know, and and oftentimes this stuff really doesn't get done until. My son goes to bed. You know, once he mm-hmm. goes to bed, then I'll finally do everything else. So it, I've had to learn to kind of prioritize where everything fits in. It's like, all right, dad first, business second, teaching third. Um, my fellowship is going to be fourth, and it's it's got to go in that order. These are non-negotiables. At least number one is the non-negotiable for me. So yeah, you know, that's been that's been highlighted and solidified over the past year as well, and it's really made me i think a better therapist it's made me a better teacher it's made me a better father it's made me a better student um because it, it's having me stop and kind of smell the roses whereas before i'm lucky if i had time to stop in an in network day and, and do anything <laughs> take a drink yeah. the bathroom anything along those lines so mm-hmm. um, you know it's it, it just really has been a, a great experience all around
0: yeah and that's something that like i will always always say is that like starting and running a business is like like are not, like the best decision I ever made. And I tell everybody too. you know, even if you get into this and decide that you don't want to have a practice, like you could decide that you want to go into business doing something else, or, you know, like, just take the skills you've learned and apply them in a different way. Um, because like, so much of this, obviously, is like, it's really hard work, dedication, commitment, like, you know, motivating yourself when you're not motivated and like sticking with something like just that kind of like combination of like discipline and creativity and just like confidence, even if you don't know the results of whatever you're doing, um, it's going to take you really far, I think in life, um, no matter what you do. And so as we're like kind of wrapping up here, um, you know, I feel like we we talked through a lot of good advice and like things to pass down to the next generation of business owners. But um, for somebody who's, I guess, maybe like on the fence about starting their own practice or business, um, what advice do you have for them?
1: So the biggest thing is never doubt yourself. You know that that's it's all about mindset. Um, you know, you you have the skills to be able to go and do this. Um, mm-hmm. Always remember that the fear of regret will always be greater than the fear of failure. So I would much rather see someone fail instead of saying, man, I should have tried this. And, and that's where yeah. I was, you know, for the longest time it was, I always played it safe.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: once I realized, so what if I fail, if yeah. I fail, then I learn from those mistakes. I try again, you know, mm-hmm. at least, I have to go back into an end network clinic for a while and then I'll try again. Yeah. Myself. So, you know, give it a shot. Really you have nothing to lose. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if nothing else, you go back to your old job that you had or something equivalent. Um, however, you know, once you get into this private pay system, cash base, whatever you choose to call it, the, the freedom that comes with it, it's intoxicating and it, it's hard to go backwards. Everything is an opportunity at this point. You know, it, it, if you believe in yourself and you believe what you can do for your patients that's going to resonate in your treatments and patients will pay to come see you
0: hundred percent um and i totally agree with you about the mindset like if that's what you want if that's the result that you want you have to believe that it'll come um you know because like if you go into it every single day just saying like you know nobody's ever going to want to see me i'm never going to get patients like that's what's going to happen um and you have to like lead with the like result in mind just knowing knowing that'll it come because you trust yourself and you if you made it all the way through therapy school you can do anything so absolutely,
1: <laughs> absolutely. i getting, getting in and passing therapy school is the <laughs> hard part
0: yeah and then
1: <laughs> get out there and, and it's like you said just the trust that it's all going to work out you know you even said that to me before when i had some months that were a little bit slower um mm-hmm. you just said you know you got to believe that it's going to pick back up. And then yep. within a couple of weeks, next thing I know, I got twice the number of visits and, you know, next thing you know, you're like, how are you doing? And I'm like, my schedule's packed. I have to take them during admin times. And you're like, no, no. don't do that. Um, <laughs> but again, it's just being as accessible as I can for, for patients.
0: Uh-huh. And really making sure that you're monitoring your boundaries and that you're not stepping too far in one direction.
1: I've, I've made sure I've stuck to my guaranteed one admin hour a month like you've asked
0: <laughs> perfect <laughs> oh my gosh awesome well thank you Ross so much for being here um I know that this is really like you said at the beginning really helpful to just hear like everybody's journeys and you know they all all look different there are all kinds of things that could you know come up on on this journey to growing a business and you know it really will you'll never really reach a destination. Like it'll just, it's just always a journey and a path of, of growth and everything. So, um, if anybody has any questions for you or wants to come see you for therapy, um, where can people find you?
1: Absolutely. There's the cat again. Um, (laughs) so if anyone's in the New Hampshire region, I'm located in Concord, New Hampshire. Um, you can always go to my website at, uh, fit for life ptnh.com. Uh, if anyone has any questions for me, you can certainly feel free to reach me at ross.childs, at C-H-I-L-D-S, at fitforlifeptnh.com. Um, always feel free to reach out to, to Morgan. She has all my information as well. But if I can help anyone at all, please don't hesitate to reach out because th- my experience has been very positive. And I know that's not always the case, but honestly, if I can do it, anyone can do it. So you just gotta believe that you can make it work.
0: Yeah. Awesome. What a good parting word. Um thank you so much again. Um and everybody who is watching this on the replay, um, catching the podcast or a YouTube video, thank you so much for being here. Um we really hope this was helpful. And uh as always, if you need anything, feel free to reach out to either of us and good luck in your business.
1: Take care everyone.
0: That's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening. As always, I am honored to be a part of this community of healthcare entrepreneurs and it is my hope that by sharing and spreading stories, advice, and knowledge to people just like you who want something more, it will inspire you to create the life and career that you dream of. If this sounds like you and you're ready to get your business off the ground, please find me on my website at morganmeese.com or on Instagram at DrMorganMeese. Who do you want to hear from next or would you like to be featured on this series? Have an idea for a topic that hasn't been covered yet? Please email me at morgan at thewellphysio.com.